We are honored to have you alumni return to your home campus, your home church. You have sensed this morning why some of us keep coming back to this place Sabbath after Sabbath to worship. We are so blessed. Student leaders who have embraced a vision of worship. I tell you what, every time I sit at their feet as they lead us, it's as if the, the portals open. We're into the, ushered into that throne room. I need you to take, I'm going to call an audible right here, School of Architecture. I need you to take your Bible out. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. I was listening to Pastor Arnie praying just a moment ago. And when he accessed these words, I must confess I had forgotten the words were in Scripture. I want to read these words and then invite my friends from the School of Architecture to come and join me here. Hebrews, the little book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible's Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith chapter. Hebrews chapter 11. Take a look at this. We're really big as a community of faith on that opening salvo and all those by faith, by faith, by faith. But tucked away there at the end, I've been reminded this morning, are these words as well. I want you to see it. Uh, let's see, drop down to verse 37. Whatever translation you have, I'll be in the New King James Version, which is your pew Bible. Hebrews 11:37, and they were stoned, sawn in two. This reads, They were tempted, they were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And then this astounding line, verse 38, Of whom the world, how's it go? Of whom the world was not worthy. Yeah. And then don't forget the rest of 38. For they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Karen and I had the privilege this summer, four unforgettable days for us, for the two of us, to join the School of Architecture in the uh, northwest corner of Italy. Seven alpine valleys that have become identified as the cloistered home of a Christian sect called the Waldenses. I want to invite my friends from the School of Architecture to come. Right now I need to have, uh, they're going to be coming in shifts, but Keisha and Bryce. No, Keisha and Chris. Sorry, Bryce, we'll come to you next. Keisha, Michelle, and uh, Christopher Perry. Carrie Karskellen, Dean of the School of Architecture. And Kathy Dembski, librarian, affectionately called Mrs. D by the students. Uh, Keisha and Chris. We just added a, a scripture. But I want to go to the two that you have and, and take a look at two key pieces to set up the story of the Walden Seas. And Keisha, let's start with you in the book of Deuteronomy. This is our, our theme book for our semester series called The Chosen here at uh, Pioneer this, this semester. Where are going to read, uh, Keisha, what, what chapter is that? Deuteronomy 4. Verses 7 through 10. All right. Let's look it up with Keisha 
Uh, Worshippers, Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. All right, Keisha. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him? Mm. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Mm. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words, so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Thank you, Keisha. Amazing that in this single passage in Deuteronomy, and we remember... Moses is addressing a a grown-up generation who is just about to cross into the Promised Land. What's amazing, and I have to remind myself of this, is that they were not in Egypt. He says, remember when you were in Egypt, but they weren't in Egypt. They didn't see any of that uh, supernatural deliverance. And yet, because they are children of the fathers and mothers of faith, the story becomes theirs, and we actually put ourselves into that story. So as we, we move into this tale that we share this morning, somehow we're the children of the children of the children of the children, and this story becomes ours as well. But we need one more piece, Christopher, Perry. Let's go to the apocalypse. Let's set this up so we get uh, a prophetic and historical setting for the Walden Seas. It's Revelation 12, verses 13 to 16. All right, let us find it with you there. It says... When the dragon saw that he had been no, hurled hold, hold to right the earth. Who's the dragon? This dragon is Satan. All right, go ahead. He pursued the woman. Who who, had, who's the woman? This woman is the church. The church. All right. This school of architecture. Good for you. All right. So the dragon, the devil, saw the church. And what did he do? He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Who's the male child? This is Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, keep going. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert, Mm. where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. All right, hold it right there. Architect to be. What in the world does that mean, time, times, and half a time? That's the 1260-day prophecy. And in the Bible, prophecy, a day equals? One year. One year. So we have a period of 1,000 years, Middle Ages, Dark Ages history. The enemy going for the community of faith. They flee into the wilderness. Out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth, the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and Mm. swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Amazing. So God uses the earth itself to shield this community of faith in hiding. The actual barren rocks become uh, God's munitions, as it were. Yeah. Now, thank you both, Keisha and uh, Chris. Kerry uh, Karskellen, Dean of the School of Architecture. Look, we all know what architecture is. How can you explain having Waldensian studies in the School of Architecture? 
Well, we look for every, every opportunity we can to integrate faith and learning. Okay. Well, but we want to do it in real and meaningful ways. Okay. We want our students to appreciate not only the grand and majestic architecture, but also the ordinary, the humble. And so just before this experience, they've been traveling for a month in Europe looking at some of this great architecture and significant urban spaces. Mm -hmm. But then we take them up into these alpine valleys where they can look at some very humble stone buildings, houses and settlements that are made with stone and wood. Beautiful. Okay. And as they're there drawing and contemplating, they not only think about this humble architecture, but the people who dwelled there, who lived there, who built those, and who ultimately died there. And it gives them an opportunity to think about their own faith and their calling in relationship to this. I know you're proud of your students, and so are we. Incredible bunch. All right, guys, before you sit down, because we're going to bring another wave up here, but Mrs. D., Kathy Dembski, you're probably the resident authority on this campus. Done the most reading, certainly, into the history of the Waldenseys community, that little sect through the centuries. Uh, Kathy, let's set it up before the kids come up here. Okay, who are they? Who are the Waldenses? We were the people that learned Christianity from the apostles. Okay. When Rome was, when uh, Paul was in Rome, and Nero began persecuting Christians, mm-hmm. these early primitive people fled to the Piedmont valleys in the north of Italy. In fact, let's, let's put a map up there on the screen, please, of Italy, and you will see there in the uh, northwest corner. You have Carrie Carskellen in the northwest corner, actually, of uh, <laughs> the screen right there. There we go. Uh, there it is, the Piedmont, right above uh, Torre Pice. So they, they move out of Rome and they move northward. Right. All right. And they were the chosen, the chosen of God to preserve scripture and their faith through the dark ages of this world's history. They were the guardians of divine truth and holy scripture. Mm-hmm. And they did more than just preserve the holy scripture and their faith. They went out as missionaries by twos and they took the scripture and their faith all over Europe. A radical mission band. We want to come back to that thought before we're through this morning. Uh, one, one, one last question for you, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it that in Dark Ages history there is so much heartache attached to the story of the Waldenses? There was, it is said that there was not a people that were more maligned and persecuted than the Waldensians, but they were peace-loving people. They, they were crushed over and over. When, when, as they, a kid growing up with a story, I figured it was just one big wave and then goodbye oh, no, Waldensians. But over then I read Wiley, as you had us do before the tour, and it's century after century. century. Extermination, and then it, yes. grow back, extermination, grow back. And they never lost their faith. Yeah. Actually, they were the people who kept the light shining. In fact, we've got, uh, let's put that on the screen. I'm going to skip that slide that you have up there now. Well, let's show that because, Carrie, you're talking about the difference in the architecture. There's the Il Domo in mm-hmm. Milan, which existed at the time of the Walden Seas. Ornate architecture, beautiful. Karen and I went through that. Mm-hmm. And then on the right, there is the architecture of the Walden Seas in the Alpine Valley. Seven valleys in the northwest uh, Piedmonts that were designated uh, Waldensian Valleys. And now I want to go to the logo. I, Shot this at a little Waldensian church. By the way, the Waldensians still live. They exist. They have churches. Very few of them. This is at a church we worshipped in Sabbath morning. And there's the Latin motto, Lux lucet in tenebri. The light shines in darkness. So let's go into the story. Thank you, Christopher and Keisha. Thank you, Carrie. Let's bring up our next wave. It is your turn this time, Bryce. And you and Sandra. 
Esmeralda, come on up and uh, join us here. So we're all together for these uh, few days. I'll get to you in just a moment, but uh, let's set it up with some pictures so that everybody gets a feel for this Castelluzzo. This is this towering, rocky pinnacle. So let's put some pictures up so that you can see Andrews University students on the move. Here's a picture. Next, please. They keep moving. This, this, hey Bryce, by, by the way, this was a long climb. How long do you think it took us to get to the top? Well, I'd say it took me at least a couple of hours. A couple hours to get to the top? At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think in all honesty it was about three or four, wasn't it? All right. Felt like it. Maybe it took you that long, but I... I did, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's asking the questions up here? Yeah, you're right, it did. All right. Okay, so what do we do? We were looking at pictures. Let's go back to the pictures. Oh, my. Look at, folks. We're getting high now. This rocky pinnacle is really up there. We're above the clouds. Do you see the cloud? That's a, that's a, a horizontal shot at the clouds. Let's see the next picture, please. When I, when I got to the top, students are already with their sketch pads. They've been all over Europe, and now they're on the summit of Castelluzzo. They're painting. That's watercolor there. Next uh, slide, please. I'm telling you, we're talking straight down. It's estimated on, that on Bloody Easter, April 24, 1655, 3,000 were hurled off of that off of that ledge. Mm-hmm. So you just read it. You just read it. Of whom the world is not worthy. We just read it in Scripture. This is the Castelluzzo. And then I, is the next one a picture of the monument. Uh, pilgrims long ago erected that uh, slate pile right at the top. It was a moving prayer service we had, uh, Mrs. D, when, 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 when we gathered around that Yes, that you led out in that. Yeah. Right. Now it's your turn. Let me ask you something. In fact, uh, I've got your paper right here. Uh, you wrote, uh, kind of reflecting on your European tour, but I picked this up in your description of the Waldensian journey. These words, I expected to visit and document the sites as an architectural student, yet I never anticipated questioning the depths of my soul. What in the world are you describing there? Well, as my dean was already saying, we had just spent over a month traveling all through Europe, great cities as Rome and Paris, studying architecture. And I'd signed up for this class thinking that I'd just continue on with another architectural portion. But the things that I questioned when on this trip Mm. went far deeper than any um, building studies. When (laughs) this journey was one that, not just examining architecture, but one of your faith. Mm. And when you climb that mountain... (laughs) the several hours that it took us in the middle of the day, maybe even longer because some of us got lost. (laughs) But thinking of the Waldensians doing it in the middle of the night to escape from the Roman soldiers coming after them, (laughs) I could barely make it up there, my weak body, all of ours. But they scaled it in the middle of the night. And when you reach the top of that cliff, just staring down thousands of feet to the city below, you can't even imagine what the Waldensians were thinking to, to stare their faith head on mm. and to give their life for their faith and their belief in Jesus Christ. I stood there questioning if I could do the same. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Bryce. Esmeralda, I've got your reading your paper here. And you wrote, uh, you wrote this line, I never thought that I would be in the place, the same place, where some people stood hundreds of years ago for their faith to take their last breath. So you're at the top now. What's going through your heart? 
Actually, I can kind of remember what's going on through my heart because my heart is pounding really hard right now. And it reminds me of probably as much as it pounded when I got to the top. It was a long ways up, like Bryce said, of like five hours for me. I'm a slow walker. But um, when I got to the top, I did feel like my heart was going to fall off. And I just thought of how would I react to people persecuting me for my faith as a Waldensian woman thousands of years ago, and would I have stepped up for my faith? My faith? Would I let myself get thrown off the cliff and die for God, or would I stay back and reject God? And um, standing up there, it made me rethink of what is it that I really believe, and whatever I believe, is it worth it? And um, as it was for the Waldensians hundreds and hundreds of years ago, I think it's worth it to me now. Mm. And um, it was kind of a refreshing um, step for me to actually arrive where they took their last breath. Good. Good. Sandra, John Milton, the blind English poet, immortalized that that, uh, Castelluzzo moment, April 24, 1655. When the word finally got to England, written eyewitness accounts, Sir Oliver Cromwell was so aghast at that crime against humanity. That he declared a national day of fasting and prayer in England. John Milton then takes pen in hand, in his daughter's hands, because he's blind, he recites this poem on the late massacre in the Piedmonts. Can you read that for us, please? Avenge, O Lord, thy slaughtered saints, whose bones lie scattered on the alpine mountains cold. Even them who kept thy truth so pure of old, when all our fathers worshipped stocks and stones. Forget not, in thy book record their groans, who were thy sheep, and in their ancient fold slain by the bloody Piedmontese that rolled mother with infant down the rocks. Their moans the veils redoubled to the hills, and they to heaven. Their martyred blood and ashes sow o'er all the Italian fields, where still doth sway the triple tyrant, that from these may grow a hundredfold, who, having learnt thy way, early may fly the Babylonian woe. Isn't that something? From these may grow out of the seed. Tertullian said the, the blood of martyrs is seed. From these, the great English poet says, may grow a new generation. You know what? You're it. You are that generation. Mm-hmm. We want to move on to part two now. Thank you, guys. Let me bring up uh, Kevin and Christy. Come on up and join us. Mrs. D, while they're coming up, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, the cave. Mm-hmm. That was, a, for me, unforgettable, unforgettable. But, uh, Kathy, it's interesting, in your assignment to these students, mm-hmm. you, the assignment does not read, go and sketch a picture of Waldensian houses of worship. What's up with that? Well, because in the village where, you, where we go to sketch, there are no churches. Because they were not allowed to have formal places of worship until mm. around the early 1800s. So we don't, we attend church, mm. and then Gronia, and then we go to the cave where they worshipped. It said that they could fit 200 in there. That would have really been packed, though, wouldn't this it? This is the, the particular cave we the were cave at. The cave we were in. Let's, let's, let's put a picture yes. or two up there. If you're into claustrophobia, this is not the cave to visit. You're, mm-hmm. We're heading right there towards the opening. Next picture, please. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to go down into that opening, uh, crawl into this space that holds about, like you said, 200. Mm-hmm. Next picture, please. It, it, it's carved out, um, kind of a dome feature. And there we were. Uh, Kathy had asked that we celebrate Holy Communion 
in that cave, mm-hmm. most unforgettable Lord's Supper I know that I will ever mm-hmm. officiate at. It's so dark that Kevin, who's sitting here in the middle, uh, next picture please, he has this little pocket flashlight and he's shining it over the shoulders of Kathy and Conrad uh, who are holding the tray of communion uh, wine and bread. There's no way we can distribute it. You, you drop it. There's no way we can walk to it if we can't tell where you are. And so Kevin is just dutifully there holding that light so that you make your way to the light and you'll find salvation. And what a metaphor that ended up for us. The next picture shows everybody slowly inching their way through the cave to receive the emblems of the Lord's victory for us on Calvary. Um, Christy, you've never worshipped in a cave before and I hadn't either. You're in that dank darkness. What, what's happening inside of you? It, uh, it was just very moving for me. Um, you know, and I saw the little hole that we had to go through to get the cave. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting. And um, when I got inside and it was really dark and, yeah, cold, rainy, I had drops dripping on my head because it had rained earlier in the day. Um, my eyes finally adjusted and I just kept thinking about all the generations that had worshipped there before us and I kept imagining um, the families that must have been there and um, just these people really lived their faith and it was amazing to be in the place that they could come together and worship the Lord and really renew themselves and get their strength to live like they did. It was it was amazing. And like Milton wrote, out of their faith, out of the seeds of their sacrificial faith, mm-hmm. we are born. We are born. Kevin, you've heard uh, the, the Waldenses' story since a kid growing up in the church. Um, you shared something with me that I thought was fascinating, how the story affected you as a boy when, when Mama told it to you. Yes, uh, my mother used to tell me the stories when I was a kid, only eight, ten years old. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, uh, last semester, uh, I was going through hard times in my life. And Ms. Dembski came to me, and she asked me to join her class. And, um, and as soon as she told me, I had some flashbacks from the stories mm-hmm. that my mom used to tell me. And I joined the class, and um, uh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading the stories of the Valdensians, and suddenly I start feeling in my heart that feeling again of becoming a missionary. Wanting to be a missionary? Wanting to be a missionary. Mm. Um, and at times we feel that telling our kids these type of stories, terrible stories, would make them afraid mm. of going out and share the gospel. But it's something mysterious about uh, these stories that he burns out in your heart for years mm. and he, instead of making you afraid he actually gives you the courage to go and now tell here we, someone here we end up at this cave and you come to me before you say pastor listen I, I got a little something I need to talk to the students about there are 23 of you in that class can I have a little time at the end of the communion and I said you bet what was what were you thinking, wanting to have that time? What was what God laid on your heart? Well, I always dreamed to go to this place mm-hmm. uh, one time in my life, and I wanted it to be special. And I wanted to share the same feeling for my classmates, 
So uh, it came to me that trying to make something significant so they can remember later in their lives, um, I had the idea of getting a box. A lockbox. A lockbox. Mm-hmm. Where you put a notebook mm-hmm. and the students will write their names in memory or significance as is God is keeping their names in their heart, in, in his heart. Okay. And also the uh, piece of paper where they will write some notes and, and prayers for the next generation. Okay. Um, the interesting part about the Baldensians is that the reason, one of the reasons why they die is because they wanted to leave a legacy mm. for the rest of the world, for us. So that would be a legacy mm. for other students to come for next year. Subsequent architectural classes Correct. coming. In fact, we've got a picture. Let's put that on the screen. You have us. We, we left the cave. We're all riding there in the light, writing prayers or promises or testimonies. And then we put it in that uh, lockbox, and you and Mrs. D go back into the cave. Because the strategy, Kathy, is that yes. you're going to remember where this is yes. next year when you bring the next class. Mm-hmm. And we've got a picture, I think, of you, uh, Kevin, bearing that. Yep. Yes. I hope you can find that. I think we can. <laughs> yeah. Because, it's the, Kevin, it's passing it on to the next class and the next class. What we read in Deuteronomy 4, just keep passing it on the next generation and the next generation. Good for you. If you let me, Pastor, um, you just read a, a verse yes. at the beginning of, of your sermon. And um, I think we missed one, very important this one. This is in Hebrews? This is in Hebrews. All right. Hebrews chapter 11, mm-hmm. the last verse of 11. Read it for us. It's uh, 39. Listen. These were all commanded, commended for their faith, mm-hmm. yet none of them received what, was, uh, what had been promised to them. Mm-hmm. This is very important. It says, God had planned something better for us, mm-hmm. so that only together with them and us, Hallelujah. they would be made perfect. Mm-hmm. I believe we're in those times, Pastor. Mm-hmm. We are that generation to make their sacrifice perfect. Praise this is our time. Mm. Thank you for that. We had music there. And of course, when you celebrate the cross, music is front and center. We had a makeshift uh, quartet on the spot. You guys did great. And so I said, hey, when we do this in church, would you sing it in Spanish as you did? So guys, come on up here. Uh, this quartet from the School of Architecture, singing, singing a hymn that was first sung in public just a stone throw up Pokagon Road near Andrews University. And all of you alumni remember which hymn that was, The Old Rugged Cross. Sing for us, guys, uh, a stanza in Spanish and then the chorus. And then we're all going to sing the chorus again, but we'll sing it in English. We'll sing it uh, with them. Estaba una cruz en 
salvar al más vil pecador. Hoy oh, yo siempre amaré esa cruz, en sus triunfos mi gloria será, y algún día en vez de Mi corona Jesús me dará. So It's the truth of Calvary that binds God's community of faith together from AD 31 all the way to the end of time. It's that old rugged cross that is at the heart of this community of faith. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, thank you, Christy and Kevin. Let's go up to our last segment because there's one more bit of uh, Waldensian architecture that we need to talk about. And I want to invite uh, Michael, you come back up here, please, and Amanda. And let's talk, Kathy, about the College of the Barbs, B-A-R-B-E-S. Who in the world were they? Who in the world? They were the pastors or the missionaries, actually. Um, since Scripture was totally central to their lives, they built this little college, which I think we can let's see, put, let's hopefully, put, uh, up on the picture screen. Up there, yeah. A little stone building. Mm -hmm. But think of what happened there. They not only memorized scripture, the gospel, the epistles, mm -hmm. but they copied scripture on little pieces of paper and segments they could roll up and hide in their clothing mm -hmm. as they went out as missionaries by fact, twos. We've got a picture of that round table where you were telling mm -hmm. us that is actually that, where they sat and did the uh, right, transcriptions. By candlelight. Yeah. And mostly in the winters. So snow is covering covered the, whole, the whole, probably covered mm -hmm. the whole college. It but did. The kids are in there, the young adults are in there. Mm -hmm being trained because the, the object is not to lead them on the mountainside. Where they're, where, no. what's, what's the object? Well, they actually, many of them went on to study in seminaries of the world, Paris, Lombardy, other schools, and then they came back to go out by twos. And they didn't know when they went out. They, they just went for two years at a time. Mm. They didn't know if they'd come back. Mm. And they went out multidisciplined. They went out as oh, merchants. Yes. They went out as business Troubadours, people. But inside, physicians. secret, uh, secret undercover, mm -hmm. as we say, missionaries. Yes. So, Michael, you were there. You were at the pinnacle of Castelluzzo. We're together in the cave, college. I read your paper. You come home. You're thinking about all of this. What's the spirit doing inside of you? Well, basically, after seeing these different things and also reading the story from the book that we read in class, it was a moving moment in that it was pushing me to think about what was so worthy of these people giving their lives away. Mm. That's our most precious gift. Mm. Um, what was so worthy of that? And obviously I came to the conclusion that it was the relationship with Christ that was worth 
more than life itself. Mm. And that was powerful. And that mm. struck me. And that is how a relationship with Jesus is like. It's, more, it's worth more than lies, than, their, than our lives. And they knew that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they gave up their life mm. for something better. Mm. Powerful. Powerful. We had a vivacious French-Italian guy named Danielle. And she sings a song, Amanda, for one of our morning worships. She came early because she was going to take us to the next uh, wherever. I'd only heard that song once in my life before. And we got a hold of the words. Would you sing it for us? The Border of Red. It's a metaphor of martyrdom. And there's a stanza. You'll just sing that stanza that applies to the Waldensian story. Thank you. There's a border of red on his garment His robe is a glistening white He lives on a street that's called Holy His star-studded crown glitters bright He walks with the anthem of ages, beloved of all heaven, it said. Why is he so honored in heaven? Tell me why is that border of red? Turns out, ladies and gentlemen, we are all children of the Waldensians, aren't we? All of us. Not just young adults. Every single one of us is related to that sect. 
that intrepid alpine band. So why are we sharing the story today? I'll tell you why. It's not an itinerary. It's not a little bit of, bit of a travelogue. The fact of the matter remains that this Waldensian community models for us radical commitment to mission. Preservation of Holy Scriptures, promulgation of Holy Scripture. As I think about these young adults who made their way out of uh, those alpine valleys, moved into every strata of society, infiltrating for Christ, I can't help but thank alumni and Andrews University. And in fact, the 3,000 students that have come to this institution are being called to become a generation just like that. Multidiscipline. You move in whatever your training is. Move into whatever field God has called you to. But in the process, you move as a radical missionary of the Lord Jesus Christ. Three years ago, we began on these alumni Sabbaths devoting the second service to an appeal for student missionaries. And so today I'm just going to, without any music, without any, uh, any fanfare, make an invitation. I want to speak first to our university students who are here. If you're a young adult in preparation as these School of Architecture students are and as they were in the College of the Barbs there in those Alpine meadows, if you're a young adult in preparation for your life calling and you would be willing today to commit your profession, your career as an entering wedge for Christ somewhere on this planet as ultimately a, miss a, a missionary for the Savior. I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet right now. You are a university student willing to commit yourself, your career, wherever it is that God is getting ready to lead you, but willing to commit yourself to be an entering wedge for Christ at some level of society, wherever it is that God calls you. You're a student at Andrews University. You're a young adult in this generation. God bless you. Now, this appeal needs to be more specific than that. And that is that there are some of you who have been wrestling over, shall I take a year out of my academic journey and become a missionary? Leave the, the campus as these young adults did, these Waldensian young adults. And move into society, move into some country on earth, and there, as a representative of Christ, serve humanity. Some of you have been wrestling... You wrestled last year and said, Boy, I don't know if this is really for me, if I can give that year. But some of you have come to the place in your walk with Jesus where you're saying, You know, I believe I could carve that into my Andrews University journey. I need to make this invitation. If you would be willing to give a year of your life here at Andrews University as a student missionary somewhere on this planet, would you mind coming right down here to the front? I'd like to have a prayer with you as you begin to weigh, is this 
Is this a calling Christ has given to me? Something you haven't even thought about until this very moment. That's okay. You're not going to be be shipped off somewhere today or even this year. But if you would be willing, in the context of this story, generation after generation of these Waldensian young adults who fanned out into society, undercover missionaries for Christ, went as a doctor, but you really show up as an agent of His kingdom. You go as a teacher, but you really show up as one to propagate His truth. You go as a business person, but you, you really show up as one whose heart is saying, you know what? Jesus has a border of red on His garment. He paid the ultimate sacrifice just to get me into the kingdom. I'd love to do something for Jesus. I'd love to go as a student missionary. You say, Dwight, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, so I'm going to go. I'll, I'll, just be a, I'll be a missionary for Jesus after I leave Andrews University. Well, hallelujah for you. We need, we absolutely do need that. But I've been here just long enough at Andrews University to know that when young adults move out on a mission trip, something supernatural takes place in those lives. I've seen, I've seen the students come back. There is a change. There is... Uh, I'm not not sure what the word is to apply to this, but there there has been a paradigm shift inside that young mind, inside that heart. And so if you'd be willing to consider a year in the service of Christ somewhere on this planet, I'm going to wait just a moment longer. I'd like to invite you to come forward. We've got our chaplain for missions, Japheth de Oliveira, and he... Uh, is going to give you a packet of materials. You can take a look at it and weigh it. But would you be willing today to commit to that mission? Anybody else? I want to say a word to the alumni who are here. You have been missionaries in your own, in your own way, your own calling. Obviously, we've got a giant statue. Let me put it on the screen for you. Sitting right outside the front door of this church. Everybody knows John Evans Andrews. It is more than obvious that this institution has been named. Named for the purpose of linking higher education to the calling of a missionary. The first missionary of our community of faith. There he is. With his kids. A widower. And he went. Andrews University alumni your support over the years has provided the financial bedrock for our student missionaries. And today we're going we're to conclude our service with an invitation to you to support the student missionary vision of this university. Inside your, uh, your worship bulletin, there is an envelope. I've got mine on the floor here and I'm not going to pick it up. But if you open up your alumni worship bulletin, there is an envelope designating your gift specifically to young adults who, like the Waldensian young, are committed to taking the kingdom of Christ through their disciplines someplace on this planet while they are here at Andrews University. I'd love for you to have a part. I know you are already giving. You've already given to the university. You have your causes and your missions that you support. I want you to take a look at these children of the Waldenses. Take a look at these children of the Waldenses and I ask you, what cause could be more 
vital for your financial commitment than to move these young adults into the world for Christ. If you'd like to have a part in our student missionary uh, annual appeal, that envelope is in your worship bulletin today. Would you take it out? Would you, would you scribble something down there? You're saying, oh, Dwight, I didn't come prepared to make a big gift. Well, you can go home and then be prepared to make that big gift. But we really do need your financial partnership in this mission. There's a hymn in our hymnal. It's hymn 578. I wish you'd pull that hymnal out. We're not going to sing all four stanzas, but I'd like to sing the first stanza, the second stanza, and then let's, let's sing that last stanza as well. I want, to keep, I want to ask the young adults to keep standing. Ask the rest of you to remain seated while we sing this. If you're a young adult and something, as you even sing these words, God speaks to you through these words. He said, "Hey, I'm sending you. I'm not calling you to a life of, I'm not calling you to a life of comfort. I'm calling you to a life of radical service to me." And your heart is touched by the Spirit, even as we sing. I want to invite you, please, to come out as well and join us here at the front. The ushers are going to move right now through the audience to receive your gift to the student missionary ministry. Let's sing, "So send I you." Call of Christ to service.
How about the rest of us children of the Waldenses? We want to commit our lives, recommit ourselves to Christ's mission today. I know you do. Stand with me in that recommitment. Offer our all to Christ. Jesus, you take us. You use us on this campus, off this campus, wherever you put us. Use us to shine the light in darkness. Oh Christ, we stand. The border of red is on your garment. You poured out your life for a lost civilization and world. It's because you did that we are even in church today. And so we stand with a sense of deep gratitude and indebtedness. We are thankful, Holy Christ, for what you have done. We stand together as, a, as an act of solidarity. We are the children of the Walden Seas. Their legacy has been handed on to us. The preservation of Holy Scripture. The propagation of Holy Truth. That's why we came to EMC years ago. That's why we're enrolled at Andrews University today. We stand in solidarity as children of the Walden Seas. Take our determination. Shift the paradigm for us. When we go home, usher us into the next level of the high calling of your mission. And finally, oh Jesus, these young adults who have been standing across the sanctuary and these who have come forward, they are your children. Whatever your, your vision is for his life, for her life, make it clear. These who come forward and and have said, I'll give a year, I'll give a year of my life here for the sake of Christ's kingdom. Oh Lord, honor, honor that decision. Grow that commitment. They will never come back to their little world the same for having made that commitment. Manage the details. Lead them on the journey. And one day soon, as our architect students have reminded us, one day soon when the generations are reunited again. Ah, the joy, holy Christ, of worshiping you with them, all of us, children of the King, at last. May not one of us standing today be missing on that glorious day when you return for your children. We pray in your holy name. Let all the people say, Amen and Amen. I'd like to take an extra moment with you and let you know how grateful I am that you've downloaded this message. I hope you've been blessed. This message is brought to you by the support of the Pioneer Memorial Church here on the campus of Andrews University. It's through the support of this congregation and viewers and listeners like you that we're able to provide this service free of charge. If you'd like to partner with us, go to our website, www.pmchurch.tv, and click on Donate to New Perceptions. Your gift will help keep these important messages going freely to the world. Thank you very, very much.